Hello, and welcome to the What Manners Most podcast. I'm Thomas Farley, Mr. Manners. Thank you so much for tuning in. I've never been much of an athlete, nor a sports fan for that matter, but that's not to say I don't appreciate a summer afternoon at the ballpark. Coming from a family of devoted New York Mets fans, I have truly fond memories of sitting in the stands of Shea Stadium and, more lately, City Field, taking in the sights and sounds of the stadium, both on the field and off. Although nowhere near as victory-laden as their crosstown rivals the Yankees, the Mets have given their loyal devotees plenty to stand up and cheer for, most notably their World Series wins in 1969 and 1986. The euphoria of the latter series, which went to seven games, was captured in the song Let's Go Mets, written by my friend Shelley Palmer. There have been plenty of heartbreaks too. With any disappointing season's conclusions, supporters have had to lick their wounds and proclaim, there's always next year. And yet, anyone who said so at the end of 2019's playing season, for any sport whatsoever, baseball or volleyball, swimming or soccer, amateur or professional, could not have envisioned the empty arenas, stadiums and gymnasiums sitting idle around the globe while players and fans stayed home. In New York City, during the peak of the pandemic, as playgrounds were closed, even the basketball hoops were removed from backboards to ensure no one could attempt a game of two-on-two to fight the boredom. It was as though all sporting activities were on a rain delay, but a rain delay that lasted not hours, not days, but months. Even the Summer Olympics, Two solid weeks of athletic prowess in every sport imaginable, set to take place in Tokyo, were postponed and are currently scheduled to take place this time next year. With such a dearth of televised or in-person sports to watch or play, boredom began to set in, as rabid sports fans were forced to seek out alternative options for competitive entertainment. And so, up until last week, in the absence of fresh American baseball to watch, Fans such as Conan O'Brien and his sidekick Andy Richter turned to Korean baseball. You know, Andy, I didn't know you'd gotten into Korean baseball. Oh, how could I not? It's literally been the only live sport being played in the world for the last three months. Sure, you have to stay up till 2.30 in the morning to watch the games, but it's worth it when you've got heavy hitters like Uiji Yang helping the NC Dinos dominate this year. And while some became devotees of baseball being played halfway around the world, others began tuning in to the Marble League games on YouTube, where, believe it or not, one and a quarter million subscribers tune in to watch round orbs of glass roll it out against one another in Olympic-style games imbued with suspense and Every drama. Bit of energy that is going upward, it's not being directed forward. And you can see how close that was. You need every bit of it. Oh, and we've got a malfunction in the gate. It's chaos. Momo Ono. Look at that. It flew straight up and then came back down. Oh, the crowd cannot believe that. To say sports fans have been hungry for sports and for the food that goes part and parcel with sports would be an understatement. Right up there with an appetite for on-field competition and game day cuisine is my friend Dana Falk. 
Dana grew up with sports in her veins and was such a fan of the Duke University Blue Devils that Duke was the only university she applied to. Following graduation, Dana built a brand called The Hungry Fan, combining her shared love for sports and cooking, her cookbook, and the company's line of products aimed to provide sports aficionados, and particularly tailgaters, the best possible spectating and partying experiences. The idea quickly vaulted her into the media spotlight, earning her appearances on Late Night with Seth Meyers, The Today Show, and elsewhere. Our next guest combines her passion for sports and eating on her popular website, The Hungry Fan. Please welcome Dana Falk. Dana Falk, Hungry Fan, and also game day expert, Dana Falk. Yay! Dana. To say that Dana has missed professional sports in 2020 would be an understatement, and yet she wholeheartedly supports the precautionary measures. It's paramount to protect people's health and lives because it's not just the players. You don't realize how enormous a staff there is for the team. All the coaches and assistant coaches, the defensive coordinator, the offensive coordinator, security staff, everybody, the hype team that goes out and does the shirts out of the t-shirt cannon. There's so many people involved in operating a stadium and an arena on game day, even parking attendants, the police. You have all of these different representatives of the team and the athletes themselves going home to all of their families. A sport that's a little easier to compete in while distancing is auto racing. Tuning into that on TV has helped keep Dana's sports enjoyment from being stuck in neutral. NASCAR's been going since Memorial Day. I know it's not everybody's bag, baby, but it is pretty exciting. In my opinion, more exciting in person, but it's exciting. So don't, don't count them out. At long last, however, Major League Baseball is back with an albeit drastically condensed season from a norm of 162 games down to 60, and there will be no fans in the stands. No real ones, anyway. More on that in a moment. And in case we weren't already on alert that the coronavirus pandemic has upended so many things we love and cherish, we were further reminded of it by the fact that the first pitch of the new season was thrown out by none other than Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and the most visible member of the White House Task Force on Pandemic Response. He didn't throw a strike, but that was absolutely fine by Dana. Not the greatest toss, but you know what? I'm not mad at that because I don't need him to be focused on throwing a baseball. I need him to be focused on what he does for a living. So all good. But for fans like Dana who are hungry for team sports, the experience is going to be one enjoyed from home for the foreseeable future. With the multi-million dollar palaces we have built for our favorite teams empty of all but the essential characters, the players, their coaches, broadcasters, and others required to ensure the games can be played and played safely. Fox, which is one of the networks that airs MLB, is actually going to be taking a page from the video game playbook. And they're going to be borrowing from MLB video games, sort of like the soundtrack, the booing, the roaring of the crowd, the clapping, and just the din that you hear when you're at the stadium so that it can seem a little bit more lifelike. They even said that they might put virtual fans into the seats and, the, and those virtual fans might even be holding signs that will be advertising for sponsors who aren't getting the value that they usually will get during a normal MLB season. Not a play into those fans. That's the first time I, so you don't see any fans running for the ball, right? Just standing around. But listen, these fans this year are going to be very stoic, right? They are very calm, collected. 
Maybe they had too many hot dogs or, or slices of pizza at the concession. Maybe they're just a little sluggish. No, very. It, it's fun. It, it's it's cool. It's fun. It's interesting. We'll enjoy it or don't. Whatever. It's all good. There's so much being talked about. It's actually pretty fascinating. And I think if you've been following esports at all, it's probably not surprising to you that MLB would be doing this and maybe other sports as well. Given that some spectators have a reputation for being, shall we say, less than well-mannered at sporting events, particularly when alcohol is involved, I asked Dana whether these virtual fans might be more mannerly than the real ones. It's funny that you said what you said, because one of the funniest tweets I saw was somebody who said that the fans that you're going to see on TV are going to be far better behaved than the fans you'd normally see, and you're not going to see a single person staring down at their phone. That's my big pet peeve. If you're going to go to a stadium and you're going to spend the entire time looking at your phone, why are you even there? I understand if you're taking pictures and maybe putting it on Instagram, it's fun. It's exciting to be there. Maybe there was a huge moment and you were able to capture it on your phone. But I've literally watched hundreds, if not thousands of people just staring at their phone the entire time. Diverting your gaze from the field to your iPhone for more than a few moments will clearly get you in trouble in Dana's book. And she makes a great point. You know, my thought is this. As a fan, it's been getting more and more expensive to go to the game. And you have a lot of hardcore sports fans who aren't super wealthy, who can't afford to take themselves, let alone their 2.5 children on a regular basis, let alone once. And so it is really disturbing to me when I go to a game and I see people who, I would just say etiquette-wise, are clearly not even paying attention taking advantage of an experience that so many people would love to be at. Given that we're talking about behavior in the stands, I wondered how Dana feels about booing. I don't have any problem with booing. Booing in the normal booing sense. My dad used to take me to Knicks games all the time. And New York Knicks fans, they're not necessarily rowdy, awful fans, but they're very vocal. And they will let you know when they are unhappy with you as a Knicks player or as a Ranger, for example, or a Jet or a Giant. And I always thought that was great. And what about the lessons in sportsmanship and comportment a booing or even cursing or rowdy fan might be conveying to the youngsters who, in normal times, show up with their parents at a game to see their favorite team, not to be subjected to salty language directed at a referee or umpire? Taking your child to a stadium is a voluntary thing. So if you deem the stadium or arena environment a place suitable for your child, then you're doing so knowing that there could be quote unquote bad actors, if you will. That's your choice. Nobody's forcing you. So just devil's advocate. I don't want to get into finger pointing, but there's definitely some cities around the country where there are fans who are notoriously more rowdy and I've seen them throwing batteries. I saw a guy hit a kid. There are just things that are wildly unacceptable. Although the virtual fans are certain to be on their best behavior, the same may not be said for the players themselves, as noted last week by USA Today writer Bob Nightingale. I'm sitting in section 313L at Wrigley Field. Well, I'm actually in a folding chair with a table behind row 10 on the concourse. There are no fans, no beer vendors, no hot dog and bratwurst smells, just foul balls clanking off empty seats, the sweet sound of organ music, and a little piped-in fake crowd music. It brings back the peacefulness of being in the stands at a Little League or high school game, 
with an outfield chain link fence instead of an ivy covered wall with advertising tarps on the bleachers, a few friends and neighbors gathering on a Saturday afternoon instead of a few stadium workers and employees, but the same innocent sights and sounds. You can hear everything from the ball popping into the catcher's mitt, infielders calling for pop-ups, and yes, old-fashioned trash talking. Lest we divert too much attention from other team sports being played, the NBA has brought players to Walt Disney World in Orlando to compete in a season in a so-called bubble, where they are quarantined and continually tested for COVID-19. They are picking up where they left off on March 11th, with games suspended at that time due to increasing concern over the pandemic. They've started playing preseason in Orlando now in their bubble, and there's just TV screens everywhere, all alongside the court. And, and that's also along the lines of this esports thing to have a lot happening in lieu of having fans. Whenever a team is on defense, they're playing that defense noise that you'll normally hear in an arena. Will shorter baseball seasons become the new norm? Will pro basketball in August be a thing? Dana believes there are good lessons to be learned from this forced hand. I've always thought, always thought baseball season was too long. I mean, the games themselves have been just extraordinarily long by American standards. And I say that because if you look at India, UK, or, or Australia with cricket, I mean, those games can go on for like 30 days plus. So respectively, baseball is very long. And I've always felt that you could increase the value of it, even though it's old and it's quote unquote America's pastime, you could increase its value to fans by making it more scarce like football, right? Football has 16 home games during the regular season. So every game really means something. Now that's not to say that I think baseball should only play 16 games, but I think it's conceivable Football will also start back up in September, also with no fans in the stands. And no fans in the stands means no tailgating in parking lots. A lot of us are going to miss the ability to tailgate and to attend the games in person. Is it worth it to me to throw caution to the wind and go tailgate amongst 250,000 people in a parking lot? Am I willing to do that? Am I willing to go sit in an arena? No. We're really looking at the backyard barbecue setup for a while. You have all the conveniences of of home. It's a trend Dana calls home gating, as opposed to tailgating. And interestingly, her business is up exponentially as fans seek a way to celebrate their love of sport, even if it means only ever watching it on a big screen TV in the living room. She cites a pre-COVID survey by Forbes on the topic of tailgating. When polled, 70% of people who tailgate said that they would rather go to a watch party or host a watch party at somebody's house or at their home. Chances are those watch parties are going to have way better food than could be had at a stadium too, at least at Dana's house. I've been cooking every night. I never cooked every night and I'm a, I'm a cook, but I never cooked every night and now I'm just used to it. For all the attention being paid to the pro athletes, there are also millions of children in the U.S. with no viable outlet for playing school sports. The ripple effects of not being able to practice, play, and be seen are extensive and unimaginable. If there are no other students on campus, how could we possibly have athletes on campus? 
right? If there's no classes on campus, the athletes can't be there. A family friend's daughter is a swimmer for a university in the Midwest, and they were asked to report back to school for practice, which is normal in a non-COVID world. And 100% of the team got COVID. What does it mean for them? It means that hopefully the NCAA will grant them another year of eligibility, but it's unfortunate for everybody. Could you imagine being a high school senior, knowing that you're supposed to start college next year, everything that you would normally get out of your college experience as a freshman and that level of human growth when you go out on your own, that's all not happening. Feel bad for the students and the student athletes. As we find our way through this new reality and with all the virtual experiences becoming at least a semi-permanent part of the way we cheer on our pro athletes at least, it's worth reflecting on the joys that rooting on a team can bring. The best thing about sports, and whether it's in the United States or elsewhere, the way that it brings people together, the way that you can have people from totally different walks of life, totally different credos and sexualities and ages, at the end of the day, they're all a fan of the same team. And so for even a select few hours, they're able to put all their prejudices and all of the baggage that they bring to the game on a normal day aside and just be fans and just have that camaraderie with one another. And that's why it's so important for this country, particularly now, given how divided we are. And that's a whole nother can of worms, which we won't get into. But Heading into what will surely be one of the most polarizing elections in most of our lifetimes, Dana also believes sports will play an alleviating role. Particularly given where we are as a nation, pre-election, in a very divisive time, having something for us to rally behind, that's just really important. So let's just hope that all those really amazing scientists behind the scenes and Various countries are able to get us a vaccine sooner than later so we can go watch our favorite football team. <laughs> go vaccine teams. Go vaccine teams, indeed. Even a non-sports watcher like me understands the immense value sports can play in our children's self-esteem and the lessons we learn about sportsmanship and civility and the communal experience of cheering on our favorite players. And I'm cheering on all of you as we take our summer break, back with new episodes in September. In the meantime, please take a moment to let us know what you think of the show and topics you'd like to hear during season two. Email us at info at whatmannersmost.com or send us a direct message on our Instagram account, whatmannersmost. Special thanks to my wonderful guest, Dana Falk, whose complimentary Hungry Fan newsletter is a must-read for any fan of either food or sports. You can follow Dana at The Hungry Fan on both Twitter and Instagram, all of which will be contained in the show notes for this episode. A wholehearted thanks to my producer, Martin Burgess, without whose unceasing support and cheerleading, this podcast would not have become a reality. And lastly... Thanks to you, my listeners, for being a part of this season one journey. It's been such a pleasure connecting with you in this way, and I look forward to bringing forth more great content in season two. Pleased to report, we won't have to say, there's always next year. Instead, we can say, there's always our forthcoming new season. Until then, always remember to explore, discover, and distill what matters most. 